Happy Mother's Day. Moms, please know this, you are incredible. You give so much to so many, and it goes way beyond just who you're related to. Motherhood is not defined by DNA. No, motherhood is defined by love, and you love so well. So thank you for loving us like Jesus, for loving unconditionally and also with sacrifice. My hope and my prayer for you today, specifically for you moms, but of course for the rest of us, is that God would renew your strength and that you would recognize today especially how valuable you are to him as your heavenly father, but also to us. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for the moms in our lives. Thank you for the people that you have put around us that make a difference, the people that you use to love us, the people that you use to direct us, lead us, and guide us. So God, today, may you strengthen us. May our strength be renewed because of you and in you. You are so much stronger than us, so may your strength be renewed in us. And may moms especially today realize on a day where emotions can be all over the place, joyful but also sad, and everywhere in between, may they realize not just their importance but their value to you as their Heavenly Father and the impact they make in our lives as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I remember the first time I was learning to drive a stick shift in a car. It was quite the bumpy ride, as you can probably imagine. If you've gone through that process, you remember it well, I'm sure. Because it's difficult figuring out the timing, isn't it? Where your foot is on the gas, and then as soon as you start to redline, this is where it becomes difficult, you have to take your foot off the gas so you can press the clutch, so then you can shift gears, and then you take your foot off the clutch, so then you gotta put back on the gas, and, and all of that timing in the right way at the right time without stalling creates a little bit of a challenge, of course. It is a learned skill, but nonetheless, you have to learn it if you're gonna drive a manual transmission. And what happens though, is if you do not learn it, eventually you learn it, it becomes natural, but if you don't learn it, what happens? Well, you're just stuck driving around in first gear all the time. And if you're driving around in first gear all the time, one of two things will happen. Either you will be limited by how fast you can go, you'll only be able to go five to 10 miles an hour, or you will completely destroy your car. Don't miss that. If you never learn how to shift gears, you will be limited always, or you will burn out. We've been looking at the first church in the book of Acts and seeing how the church started and how it was growing and how exciting it was to be part of the early church. But now we're starting to see the church was starting to redline. They were starting to hit their limit, which means problems were also being created. See, up until this point, the apostles, the 12 disciples, everything was on them. They were responsible for everything. They were, they were problem solving for everything. They were leading everything. They were planning everything. Just sounds like a normal day in the life of a mom, doesn't it? <laughs> so those, those first leaders of the first church came to a very crucial moment. They had to make a decision. Because of the limitations that they were facing, they had to decide if they would shift gears, if they would make a change or not. And that's what we're gonna look at. In Acts chapter six, we see this change that takes place that is gonna radically change the future of the church and even has impact on us today. So as we read through this story, I want you to pay attention and see if you can find that change. Find, discover where the disciples made that shift because there's a principle there. 
that applies again, and of course, to the church, even our church today, but also to our personal lives, our work lives, and of course, your family life as well. So here it is, Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, of course, that's a, that's a pretty big problem. People were being missed. Their basic needs for food were going neglected, were being neglected. So obviously it's a problem, but as we're going to see, it's not the main problem. This is a symptom of a much larger issue. Verse 2 speaks to what that issue is. Verse 2, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Ah, there it is. There's the real issue. There's the real problem. The 12 apostles, the original disciples here, they were trying to do everything and people were being missed. Because they were trying to do everything, people were not getting their basic needs met. So something had to change. There needed to be a solution. Here's the solution they came up with. Here's what we read, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the entire group. So they chose seven different people to take on this new responsibility. Verse 6, they presented them to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. There's the solution. Now notice what they did not do. They didn't get everybody together and say, we just need to try a little bit harder. No. They also didn't have a discussion around priorities. They didn't discuss and debate what's more important and what's less important, and let's get rid of the lesser of the two. No, they realized, they recognized both of these were important. The discipleship of other people, meeting the spiritual needs of other people was vastly important but so was meeting physical needs of people. Both were important, but one was being neglected. Both were important, so how would they do both when they were at their limits? Their solution was to share the responsibility, was to get more people involved. The disciples said, we can't do all this on our own, so we need other people to step up, to put their full focus and put their full attention on meeting the needs of others. That's the principle. That solution became a principle we see not just in the first church, but the early churches and in our church today. Here's the principle. Be all in, but don't try to do it all. Be all in. It's that same purpose. It's that same, focus, that same direction that we're all facing, trying to accomplish this one thing together. We talked about common unity a few weeks ago. That's what we're talking about. So be all in, but don't try to do it all. In other words, we need a lot of different people doing a lot of different things to see where we're trying to go and to accomplish what God has called us to do. We see that, not, like I said, not just in the first church, but as the church began to grow, not just in Jerusalem, but in other regions, as new churches were being planted, Paul makes sure that this principle, be all in but don't try to do it all, is taught to each of the early churches. To the church of Ephesus, he tells them this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, look, to equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up. 
He says it's not based on a few. It's a lot of different people doing a lot of different things with the same purpose. Be all in, but don't try to do it all. We see similar language, and you hear that phrase, the body of Christ, used to describe the church. We see that again First, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he's talking to another church. It says this, verse 12, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. Again, many people doing different things, but with one purpose. Again, in verse 27, Now you, and he's talking to you and me too, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Be all in, but don't try to do it all. That's the principle of this first church and the early churches, saying it's gonna take all of us together with our common purpose, but we're gonna have different areas of focus. We're gonna give our attention to specific areas, and that's how God works. He says he wants to use all of us. It's God's power and his grace you going through and using all of us, not just a few. Here we are in an unfinished house, and if you've ever built a house or moved into a house, it's a very exciting time, also a stressful time. One thing building a house is never is easy and simple. No, you might have seen a show on HGTV where a couple people come in and, and in a matter of an episode of 30 to 60 minutes radically transform a mess of a house into this beautiful home. But there's a lot that happens behind the scenes, isn't there? Yeah, it's not just a one-person job to build a house. It takes a lot of different people doing a lot of different things, but with the same purpose in mind. The purpose is to build a house. But different people come in with different specialties and areas of focus. you got some workers that come in and focus on the concrete and getting the foundation laid. Then you have people that come in and start putting up all of the framing and the two-by-fours and getting the structure in place. You have plumbers come in. You have electricians coming in. You have people that come in and put sheetrock up. And then we're going to have people that put carpet in and the fixtures in. And we're going to paint and decorate. And eventually it will be finished and become a home. But it takes a lot of different people. Same purpose, and, but different focuses. It takes a lot of different people to make that happen. There's that principle. Be all in, but don't try to do it all. When the disciples made that shift, when they made that change and that adjustment, notice what happens. Verse 7, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I love this. Notice, because the disciples decided to not do it all, not only did the food problem get solved, but they grew even more. I love that. The problem they originally set out to solve, of course it got solved, but so much more happened, maybe even more than they ever expected or could have imagined. It says they grew rapidly, and a large number of priests, religious leaders that normally would have opposed the church, are now obedient to the faith and following Jesus and become part of the church. All because of that principle, all because of that one shift that they made. They recognized that they were at a limit. They were redlining. We can't do all this. We shouldn't do all this on our own. So we need other people to come alongside of us. And because of that, incredible things happened. More and more people came to know Jesus because of that one change. I wonder what would have happened if the disciples said, you know, we just need to work harder. We just need to try harder. 
We need to wake up earlier and stay up later. We just need to push through this season right now. I wonder what would happen, what would have happened if the disciples tried to do it all on their own. What happens when we do that? What happens? What have you noticed? Think back with me. What has happened in your life? What has been the result when you have tried to carry the weight of the world on your own shoulders? When you have tried to just push through this current season you're in, when you've just tried to make it all happen on your own. I can speak for myself, and maybe you've experienced this or observed this as well. When I try to do it all on my own, I notice I move out of a a place of thriving and being full of joy and full of peace and settling for just merely surviving. It moves me from thriving to settling to survive, to just make it through another day. Maybe you've experienced that or observed that as well. When we don't make that shift, when we try to do it all on our own, we can't thrive and our joy is lost. We miss out on the peace and that abundant life that Jesus desires us to have. So I said this principle, be all in, but don't try to do it all, not only applies to the church and our church today, we follow that same principle as well, but it applies to our personal lives and our work lives and of course our family as well. So let's walk through how to do that. How can we apply that principle to our lives starting today? First, know your limits. That was the first thing the apostles did. They recognized what we're doing, we shouldn't be doing. What we're doing is not good. Not the things that they were trying to accomplish weren't good. No, remember, both were important, but they recognized we shouldn't be doing everything. They recognized their limits. They knew their limits. We all have them, though, don't we? We all have limited time, limited resources. We have limited amounts of energy, probably limited patience, especially in quarantine. But do you know when you're at your limits? How do you know when you're redlining like the apostles discovered they were? For me, I can speak for myself, but I have a a wonderful system in place that tells me when I begin to hit my limits and when I start to redline. Her name is Becky, my wife. She knows me and our kids better than anyone else. She knows when we start to hit our limits. She knows when we're hungry and need to eat. She knows when we're tired and we need to nap. And she knows when I'm hitting my limits and I'm beginning to redline. She sees that in me and she speaks up. Says, something has to change. Brian, it's time for you to shift into a new gear. Because don't miss this, that when we hit our limits and redline, it doesn't just impact ourselves, it impacts the people around us. Again, the apostles, when they hit their limit, it impacted not just them, but other people. Because of their limitations, people went without food. It impacts so many other people. So when you're at your limit, when you're redlining, even if it's with good intentions, when you're redlining, and you're frustrated, and you're exhausted, and you're irritable, you cannot be the husband or wife that your spouse needs you to be. You cannot be the parent your kids need you to be. You cannot be the worker your boss needs you to be. You cannot be the student, or the teacher, the artist, the musician, the friend, or the family member that you need to be. So know your limits. And I know some of you are probably thinking, but I can do this. I'm not going to debate that with you. Most likely you can. See, limits are not so much about what you can or can't do, but what you should or shouldn't do. So let me lean in because many of you right now, you are doing it all. You are doing the impossible. You are juggling the the kids and family and work and paying bills and you're leading in the community and you're serving all these other people. You're giving and doing so much, 
And you can do it, but let me say you shouldn't do it. Let me lean in. You shouldn't do it all. You shouldn't do it all on your own. The apostles, when they hit their limits, they invited other people to help. They said, it's not good for us to do this alone. So they said, we need seven other people to come alongside of us. Would you be willing to ask people to, to join you, to share the responsibility, not to let something go? It's important. The things that you're doing are important, but does it necessarily have to be you that does it all? Let me flip that around and also say, we should be not just aware of our own limits, but the limits of other people. Look for ways that you can step up and step in the lives of other people, where you can help without being asked for help. May we be willing to see how we can share in the responsibility with other people before we're ever asked to help. So first, know your limits. Second, pause long enough to make a change. Right? You have to take your foot off the gas so that you can press the clutch so that you can change gears, shift gears. So you have to have the time to do that. Right? That's what the apostles did again. They hit time out. They hit pause and said, let's get everybody together. What we're doing isn't working. We're at our limits, so we need a new plan. Remember what that plan was. They said, it's not good for us to be doing all of this. We don't want to neglect. They said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So here it is. They came up with this idea. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Notice that. They said, we need to give this to somebody else, this responsibility to somebody else, so we can turn our attention, our full attention, to this over here. I'd say personalize that. Pause long enough to make a plan and make a change, and here's a great starter, a starter conversation on how to make that plan. Fill in the blanks with me. You'll see it on the screen. I will give the responsibility of what? What's something important in your life that you are currently doing on your own that you are going to give to somebody else? I will give the responsibility of what to who? Who is going to take on that responsibility? Why? So that I can give my full attention to what? What responsibility can you give to someone else? What change can you make so that you can give your full attention to something else? So you have to start there. Know your limits then pause long enough to make a change. But at some point, that change, you have to live that out, right? You, you hit the clutch, you change gears, but then you have to let off the clutch and put your foot back on the gas again. You have to keep going because at some point, it's just talk and it's just planning, which turns into just procrastination. So at some point, you've got to go. That's the third part. Know your limits, pause long enough to make a change, and then go and keep going. We're in an interesting time right now because it's almost like we are forced to pause, aren't we? Yes, the, the quarantine has forced us to slow down in a few areas. So that allows us to, to look around and what changes need to be made so that when life gets going again, that's us putting our foot on the gas and we're ready to go. So let me tell you, once you come up with a plan, once you make your changes, go and keep going. Go where God's leading you. Do what God's calling you to do. Be who God is calling you to be. Earlier, many of you shared that one word that describes your mom or how you would describe your mom. There's so many different words I could use to describe my mom. One of them is go, because she goes constantly, maybe a little more than she even should, but she goes so fast because she cares about so many different people and gives so much of her to her family, to her students at school, to the people she loves, to church. 
she goes and then changes and makes adjustments so that she can keep going. And personally, I've seen my mom go through so many different seasons of her life. In fact, she's coming up on a, another change here pretty soon. My mom has been a teacher, a junior high language arts teacher, for 33 years. And at the end of this month, May 27th, she will officially retire as a teacher. I know she's probably crying as I say this right now, so Dad, sorry about that one. But it's been a big adjustment, especially in the, in the climate and culture that we're in right now. This isn't how she expected to end her teaching career. But I know that she's going to keep going. I'm positive she will not stop. Even though it's a change for her, she's already been talking about what she's excited to focus on next. Because of this shift and this change, this adjustment, I know she's able to give her focus and her attention to something new. See, the changes we make allow us to keep going. So know your limits. Pause long enough to make a change and keep going. Pay attention because even though you go, you'll probably redline again. You'll hit a different limit, which means you got to start the process all over again. Pause long enough to change and then keep going. Now, some of you hearing that, you got super excited and energized, even inspired. You're ready to make changes. You're making adjustments. You're going to come out of this quarantine and pandemic even better than you were when you came into it. You are fired up and ready to go. Some of you are on the other extreme. You are exhausted just hearing me talk about it. <laughs> probably because you have been redlining for so long. Probably right now you're already at your limits and have been at that limit for quite a while. And you can't even imagine slowing down. You can't even think about pausing. It seems impossible because so much is relying on you. So regardless of where you find yourself or maybe somewhere in between, let me go back to my prayer earlier. My prayer is that God would renew your strength. And I want you to hear something specifically in renewing our strength. Out of Isaiah chapter 40, listen to this and see if this hits your heart. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Oh, don't miss that. We get tired. We get exhausted. We hit our limits. Our God is the everlasting God and he never gets tired, and he doesn't get weary. No, it says his understanding no one can fathom, and he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, here it is, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. May God renew your strength. May he give you the strength to see the current realities that you're in, to see and recognize your limitations in the, the times that you begin to redline, to recognize those warning signs of your trying to do it all. May he renew your strength and give you the strength to pause long enough to make those changes, to have the wisdom to know what adjustments and shifts need to be made, and to give you the strength to keep going, to not stop, to not quit, even when we're tired, even when we're weary, even when we don't know if we can make it through another day, even though we feel like we're just surviving, may he give you the strength to keep going. But don't miss how we get that strength. It's not in us. It's not in anything or anyone else. It's only when our hope is in him. He says this, 
He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. May your hope be in him. That principle we've been talking about, be all in, but don't try to do it all, it's important. And yes, we need to apply that to our lives. But putting our hope in Jesus is the first step and the most important thing we can ever do. Put your hope and your trust in him and he will renew your strength. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for you and the hope that we have in you. I thank you so much for the strength that you give us when we are tired, when we are exhausted, when we are redlining and at our limits, when we don't know what to change and what to do, when we don't know if we're going to make it through another day or another season. God, would you renew our strength. Help us to recognize our own limits. Help us to be attentive to the warning signs when we begin to redline. Give us the wisdom and the strength to pause and plan, to pause to make changes, and the strength to keep going, to be who you've called us to be, the strength to keep going and love who you have called us to love, the people that you've placed around us. May we keep going. But may our strength come from our hope in you. So Jesus, right here and right now, whether it's for the first time or whether this is a declaration that we have made before, we put our hope in you. We ask for you to give us the strength that can only come from you. In Jesus' name.